Hello, and welcome to The Next Big Thing in Health, a podcast from America's health insurance plans, where we take a deep dive into the future of healthcare, from new technologies and artificial intelligence to mental health care, to different healthcare delivery modes and everything in between. This episode of The Next Big Thing in Health is brought to you by Accenture, helping health insurers transform with intelligent automation. What does it mean to be an intelligent payer? To find out how your organization can apply artificial intelligence to achieve meaningful change, visit Accenture.com backslash AHIP and follow hashtag Intelligent Payer on Twitter and LinkedIn. Also, be sure to visit Accenture.com backslash AHIP to download the free Intelligent Payer Survival Guide. In today's episode of The Next Big Thing in Health, I'm going to be speaking with my co-host, Matt Isles, President and CEO of America's Health Insurance Plans, about one of the top issues in America, healthcare reform. That's a big one. <laughs> it's a big one. It's a big topic, hotly debated one, Matt. Um, before we dive into that, though, because I know we're going to get deep into that, I want to talk to you a little bit about what makes you passionate about healthcare. What drives you and motivates you every day in this space? Thanks, Laura. Um, you know, I feel so strongly about healthcare uh, because I've seen what happens where health is there and then it's gone in a flash. Um, by all accounts, I should probably be a banker, not working in healthcare. My father was a banker. My grandfather was a banker. I saw at a young age, um, two of my cousins um, suffer from traumatic brain injuries, uh, including one who was in a long time coma and has come out and partially recovered, and the other one died. Um, and about 19 years ago, uh, when my wife was pregnant uh, with our son, my father passed away very suddenly um, from an arrhythmia and a heart attack. And so um, from a young age, I've seen how health can change so dramatically uh, and quickly. And I've, over time, uh, felt I want to do what I can to really help make it better. How can we empower health? How can we make sure that we're protecting health? Um, and I feel like it's something that all of us um, can can lose so quickly, um, but can work well, even while we work so hard to maintain it. And so I really do want to find ways to make the healthcare system better, easier, simpler, uh, safer, uh, more accessible for Americans. So you really come at it from a very authentic place. And before you joined America's Health Insurance Plans, you worked in all parts of the healthcare ecosystem. Um, what surprised you? most from you know, working in your previous fields? What, what, was there one thing that really was enlightening to you about this? I, what surprised me most was probably the misunderstanding within the healthcare system of other sectors. Um, one thing that really hit home to me when I moved from the pharmaceutical industry into the health insurance space is I thought I had a pretty good understanding of what health insurance companies were about. I had no clue until I was on the inside of it and really understood how health insurers thought and operated and how it was different from pharmaceutical companies. For example, um, health insurance uh, providers need to develop new products every year. Um, they need to develop them, file them, get them approved, market them, open enrollment service, very operational, while at the same time being very strategic. Pharmaceutical companies, um, uh, by contrast, have a much longer product development time 
they work on products for years and years and years. And a really successful year is if you launch one or two new products or maybe get a new indication or two for your existing products. Um, and some of these issues around time horizons, how you think about investments uh, has, has led, uh, that's just one example uh, of how uh, I think there are misconceptions of, of different sectors within the healthcare system. Um, and that has probably created some of the complexity that we, that we see today. And, and one of the big challenges that I think we all want to solve for, but if we can find some better ways to get um, common perspectives and understandings of, of different groups, I think we could make some more progress. Yeah, complexities and some confusion too right. for many people. So how did your past work prepare you for this role that you're in right now, President and CEO of AHIP? Well, to be honest, I don't know that anything could really prepare <laughs> you uh, for that role, but I will say I had a lot of um, wonderful mentors um, over the years and people who helped develop me by giving me opportunities to lead really big projects or manage teams or, or think about how can you create a more integrated way of operating. For example, in the advocacy world, how do you think about public policy and communications and advocacy? Um, how do you set strategies and, and priorities and objectives? And, um, and also just wanting to be out there and feeling really passionate about what it is that you're working on. Because I think uh, if you don't feel passionate about the subject matter that you're spending so much time on, right? I probably spend more time here than any other place. Um, it's really important that you are able to move things forward that you really care strongly about um, and, and feeling so strongly about the healthcare system and how do we make it better. I really believe um, health insurance providers are in the best position to do that, working with other stakeholders. So again, I don't know that there's any one experience that prepares you. It, it really is a lot of different things and a lot of help from many, many supportive people along the way. Yeah, well, you're putting together this whole pot of experiences and bringing it to um, uh, an important place to you know, provide so, so much insight for other people. Let's jump into the main focus of our interview here, which is healthcare reform. Hotly debated, as I said earlier, and it's on the mind of so many policymakers and, and obviously consumers, the public. What do you believe is the path forward for healthcare reform? That's a kind of a loaded and broad question, but what, is there a path forward from in, in this year, 2019? In, in 2019, I think this is a foundational year that we're going to be talking about the paths that we might take, uh, right? I think just given where we are relative to um, very big elections coming up in 2020. Um, how much Congress might be able to do, how much could happen at a state level, at a federal level. I think this is a very important and uh, formative year with respect to health reform, uh, looking ahead to 2020, 2021. As we contemplate what that path might look like, I think there are four main elements to it. The first is really we need to find a way to cover everyone. We still have 30 million Americans roughly who lack health insurance, right? So we need to find a path forward to cover all of those individuals because every American should have access to comprehensive medical coverage. Uh, the second piece is around affordability, right? And our system is too expensive. Um, I think we're at a tipping point for patients and consumers uh, and businesses and government taxpayers with respect to what we can afford. Um, and we really need to find ways to make our system more affordable at a systemic level, but also at a personal individual level. 
Uh, the third piece is with respect to patient-centered care. How do we make our healthcare system more personal, more accessible, more understandable, empower consumers to really have the information that they need to make the decisions with their physicians and providers that are best for them um, in a way that makes the most sense given their own personal circumstances. And the final piece is really how do we reduce the underlying cost of care? Um, whether it's prescription drug prices, how much we're paying uh, for hospitals, all of these inputs are really why we see premiums where they are and cost sharing where they are. How do we advance value-based care? It's really about reducing the underlying cost of care. And then just the final point I'll make is it needs to be done in an environment uh, that promotes private sector innovation. Um, we really think uh, very strongly that the private sector is the best way to do this. That's not to say that there's not a critical role for government, but that government is not going to be the solution to those challenges. So and some, some companies are already starting to do some of these things that you're mentioning. So the, the door is opening a little bit, would you say? Absolutely. There's incredible interest, investment um, in doing these, but there will need to be policies that change. Um, in order to get the rest of the 30 million covered, in order for us to really think about underlying costs of care, prescription drug prices. I mean, there are some systemic things that we'll need to address. At the same time, there are huge investments in innovation, technology, patient-centered care, artificial intelligence, things that should help um, and where the private sector will be much more effective than the government in terms of advancing those solutions. Mm -hmm. And do you see 2020 as the kind of uh, the next chapter or, or is that within, you think those changes will happen within you know, 2019, 2020 or begin to happen? Um, the private sector changes will, will, will be ongoing uh, and we'll see new innovations, um, whether it's in you know, telemedicine or other ways to enable more patient-centered care. I think the bigger systemic changes are probably still a couple of years out as we grapple as a country with the type of reforms that we want to advocate for in advance. Um, and that's gonna take just a little bit longer, I think. Quick reminder that this episode of The Next Big Thing in Health is brought to you by Accenture, helping health insurers transform with intelligent automation. Did you know that artificial intelligence solutions can unlock billions of dollars in value for payers? To learn which six capability areas can generate the most value from AI, visit Accenture.com backslash AHIP to see the latest research from Accenture and to download the free Intelligent Payer Survival Guide. Medicare for all, an issue a lot of people talk about. What do you think is um, is driving that push for Medicare for all? Um, with all of the people that we've talked to, what's really motivating this are, are two factors. First is um, the affordability of our healthcare system in a sense that, oh, maybe Medicare for all will make things more affordable. Um, there are good, uh, there's good information and data out there that show that that's probably not the case, but it sounds like it could be, which is one of the attractions. The other thing is around simplicity of the healthcare system um, and the lack of simplicity and how complex it is. Again, Medicare for all sounds very simple. Uh, people like Medicare, why don't we just expand that program? Um, how you actually do that and execute that is enormously complex. 
um, and will not ultimately solve the problems that we want to address in the four areas that I talked about before and would take us in the wrong direction. It would lead to longer wait times, worse health outcomes, higher taxes, more spending. Uh, we really need to fix and improve what we've built, uh, expanding upon the Affordable Care Act, rather than trying to blow up the entire system. Right, okay. So looking at our current healthcare system right now as it is, what, in your opinion, are some of the biggest problems that we need to address right now? Right, and we've touched on a couple of them mm -hmm. already, certainly with respect to the underlying cost of care. I, I mean, yeah. that really is uh, driving so much of the problem, the price of prescription drugs. And I say this with great respect for an industry that develops uh, cures, but the economics of that equation have really gotten out of whack uh, in the last decade since I worked in the industry. Um, when you see the price of some of these new products and innovative, uh, important therapies, um, six, seven figures now, it really begs the question of how we can sustain that and what kind of affordability uh, we will see if you're going to have products cost that much. Uh, we need to advance interoperability within our healthcare system. That's a critical gap um, in how we can leverage the technology that we have get it to work more effectively the way that we see it work in other parts of our lives, but that is falling short in healthcare, and there are enormous initiatives underway to do that. Um, that's a big problem. The question is how quickly can we actually do it? Um, I think we're a little concerned is if you try and do it too quickly, given where we are today, is it actually going to backfire in some certain ways? Um, those are those are a couple of the biggest problems um, you know that we see and why we are uh, focused on making sure that the solutions, you know, come both from the private sector in terms of how we address them, but that there also needs to be, again, a policy component to doing it because not all of them can be solved just by saying you need to innovate better or you need to do this faster. I mean, there are some of these structural problems um, that we do need to address. Well, you mentioned the private sector. Do you think that the private sector is best poised to, to solve some of these problems? A absolutely, right? When you think about how do you advance value-based care and align incentives in the healthcare system, I think that the private sector can work incredibly effectively. Um, how do you leverage new technology? How do you learn from other industries to be able to uh, test new solutions, uh, create pilots, adapt, start over, fix, uh, and, and try and scale those? That's really hard to do uh, from the government level. The government is, is good at setting policy, uh, but it's really not great at innovating. Yeah, so it's a, a dual, uh, dual do, two, two uh, places going coming together to, uh, to solve these problems. These are big be, problems. It has to be done in partnership. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you know, our, our longer term strategic plan is focused in three areas, consumers, partnerships and affordability and value, right? And if we can make significant progress um, on those three areas, we, we believe that you can improve the healthcare system. And partnerships is an important element of it. Public-private partnerships, partnerships with other stakeholders in the healthcare system, uh, partnerships with, um, with novel partners who you might not have worked with but can learn things and apply them in healthcare knowing that we've moved more slowly perhaps than other, other segments. Yeah, that collaboration is everything. So the title of this podcast, obviously, the next big thing in health. So it's only appropriate for me to ask you, what do you see as the next big thing in health? Is it healthcare reform or is it beyond that? 
I, I think it is actually <clears throat> beyond healthcare reform. I think healthcare reform is a big piece of it. Uh, the other area that is the next big thing, and there's been so much attention paid to it, is around so-called social determinants of health. Mm -hmm. What are those social factors that influence health, perhaps in an even more profound way than the medical care that you receive? Um, it could be about transportation, nutrition, access to health care, where you live, educational background, income. All of these factors have important impacts on health. And we're only really beginning to understand how important they are and trying to connect them to the healthcare system. Um, and our members and the entire, I think, healthcare ecosystem is really focused on how can we improve addressing social determinants of health. It's one of the reasons why we launched uh, a new initiative called Project Link at our AHIP Institute conference in June, which is really about the next big thing in healthcare, uh, because we believe that it's important to allow our members and other partners to really learn what's working. How do we share best practices? How do we test what's working, what's not working to, to get to these underlying factors? And I think that's really going to be the next big area that you see in conjunction with health reform. And what about in terms of innovation? What, what's big with innovation? Yeah, I think within the technology side, certainly. I think benefit design even, thinking about how do we um, treat individuals who have you know, chronic conditions and make sure that they're getting access to the healthcare that they need at a way that's affordable and incentivizing the right behaviors. Um, I think that's an area where we're going to see more innovation in terms of how do you apply behavioral uh, economics and, and, and changes to really improve the healthcare system. Uh, I wish I could say it's like one or two things, but there's so much happening across the landscape that um, it really is going to be coming in, in multiple different ways. Well, you mentioned a lot there, so I may be repetitive in asking this question, but if you had the power to change one thing in healthcare, what, what would it be? One thing. That's a tall <laughs> one thing. order. You've been around um, the block a few I'll, times. I'll start with empowering consumers and patients with mm. better information to be able to make better, more informed decisions. Um, there's a lot that comes with that. Uh, we have to pair it with affordability, but I think that's the one big thing to allow really patients, consumers to take health into their own hands. Uh, working, of course, with physicians, providers, health insurance companies, but really to, to empower them to, to change health. Great. Matt Isles, President and CEO of America's Health Insurance Plans. Thanks for your insight on this. Thank you. This episode of The Next Big Thing in Health has been brought to you by Accenture, helping health insurers transform with intelligent automation. Visit Accenture.com backslash AHIP to download the free Intelligent Payer Survival Guide. To find out the top three business areas where payers can generate near-term value from artificial intelligence, visit Accenture.com backslash AHIP to see the latest research from Accenture. And be sure to follow hashtag Intelligent Payer on Twitter and LinkedIn. Remember to subscribe to The Next Big Thing in Health on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you liked what you heard, tell a friend and leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for tuning in.